Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. Well, let's go back to the book of John, chapter 10 this morning. Last week we were talking about Jesus being the true shepherd, that he was the door of the sheep. And uh, he's the door that leads you out of the false teaching and out of the sin and out of the uh, old ways of living. And he leads you, he says he's the door of the sheep. And then he says, I am the door, verse 9. He says, if anyone enters by me, he'll be saved and go in and out and find pasture. In other words, he says that we will be saved eternally. He's talking about eternal life. He's talking about salvation is what he's talking about. The door to salvation. Back to John chapter 10, just to kind of catch you back up. We're in John chapter 10. We've been talking about how back in chapter 8, Jesus said he was the light of the world. And when he said he was the light of the world, the very next thing he does is he proves it by opening the man's eyes in chapter 9. And he he gives him not only physical light, he can see physical light, but he can also see spiritually. Remember the song says, I saw the light, and I'm not going to try to sing it for you, but I saw the light, I saw the light. That's all I can remember. But, but they're talking about being saved and trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so uh, he gives them Light, because Jesus said back in John chapter 1, or John said about Jesus, that He was the life of the world, and in Him was light, and in Him there's no darkness. Jesus created everything. He created new eyes for this man. And then He proceeds, they proceed to kick this man out of the synagogue, because He's saying that Jesus is God, and they kick Him out. Jesus then proceeds to prove that he's the good shepherd. And he does that by going and finding the lost sheep. That man is the lost sheep and, and he goes and finds him and, and he, he talks about how he goes and gets him and he finds him and that, that only, that the hirelings are the ones that, uh, don't care. That the sheep know his voice, they follow him. And we finished up last time basically in about verse 10 where it says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. He says, I've come that they might have more, keep on having life and they might keep on having abundant life. This is a continuing process that He wants us that we're going to have eternal life, but we're going to have abundant life. We're going to have the real life, the joyful life, the full life that God wants us to have. Do you understand that? So many times as Christians, we live like we're in spiritual poverty. I tell folks sometimes, some people get saved and they trust the Lord or they hear the Word of God. And then they go back out, out and live in the junk of the world and they don't live for God. And I tell them it's sort of like having a million dollars in your bank account 
might need ten million today the way the economy is, but you have a million dollars or ten million dollars in your bank account, and you go out and you're eating out of the trash cans, you know. And a lot of times, we as Christians, we have all the promises that God has given us. We have the spiritual, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And yes, we still have problems. Yes, we still go through trouble. Yes, we still go through things in this life. But Jesus said that we don't have to let those problems, those troubles drag us down and make us, you know, wearisome and troubled and and just totally destroyed. And like I said this week, I, I probably, if I hadn't had the Lord, I don't know what I'd have been doing. I'd have been going crazy. I was still kind of upset this week, but you know, we go through things and we go through trouble, but because God lives, because Jesus lives, we can face tomorrow. Not only can we face tomorrow, we can face today. So sometimes today is worse than tomorrow, but sometimes tomorrow we're worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. But you know, the Bible says, don't worry about tomorrow for the things of The day will take care of itself. He says, don't be anxious about anything. And we as people, we get anxious and we worry and we do all these things. But Jesus said, we don't have to do that. We can have this abundant life. And I feel sorry for people who don't know Christ. Because if they don't know Christ, they don't have abundant life. If you talk to somebody who don't know the Lord, most people say, well, life doesn't have any meaning. And, and I say, yeah, it doesn't have any meaning if you're not trusting in Christ because Christ is what gives life meaning because you have something to live for. You have a new plan, a new purpose, a new future, a new ability to live in a way that you couldn't live before. And that's what Jesus said, that He came that we might have life and life abundantly. All right, well, let's move on from there. He says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So he says, I am the good shepherd. And and he says, notice what he says, I am the good shepherd. And then he repeats it and he says, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Notice the repetition. Good shepherd, good shepherd. He's wanting to emphasize that word good. This word shepherd, it really means the shepherd, the good one. It's stressing the adjective. It really means beautiful. It means excellent. It means he's ideal both in his character and his work. And he is the only one in his class. And then what he say about the Mercedes? It's in a class of its own or whatever different kind of cars they say. This is in a class of its own. Well, Jesus is the only one in his class. Because there's nobody else like him, nobody that even could compare to him. You know, it says in Mark 10:17, Jesus was going out on the road, and it said one came running, and he knelt before him, and he asked, "Good teacher, what shall I do that I might, I might inherit eternal life?" So Jesus said to him, "Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God." In other words, to say he's good means based on that passage that He is God because God is the only one who is good, right? And the rest of us, the Bible says, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But then He says, 
He says that in Ephesians 2. That we were without hope, without God, without anything. He says, but God, who was rich in mercy, with His great mercy, He has saved us and made us alive and, and brought us together with Him. By grace you're saved through faith. Jesus says, I'm the only one in my class. I am God is what he's basically saying. And so then he says here, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Notice the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He says, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. So in other words... The good shepherd, he's willing to risk everything for his sheep, right? I mean, remember what we talked about about the sheep? That sheep are not really raised for their meat in most cases. They're raised for their wool and their milk. And, and the shepherds keep them long, long periods of times, And they have names for them. And they love them and they care for them. And they're willing to give their life for them. They're, they're sort of like their little pets. If somebody was trying to kill our dog or cat or something, some of y'all love dogs and cats, but, but they love these animals so much and they're with them everywhere they're at. And they love them so much that if somebody tries to hurt their sheep, the good shepherd is willing to even, if he has to, die for that sheep. And he's willing to die for us. Guess what? He did, right? You know what Jesus did on the cross? He died for us. And He died in our place. And He died for our sins. And He died that we might have eternal life. That's what Jesus did. Now, He's not saying that the shepherd just kind of throws himself off the cliff and says, Hey, look at me. I'm sacrificing myself for you. But what He's saying is the shepherd is going to do everything he can to protect his sheep because he loves them so much. But if he has to, he will give his life. And that word he gives for the sheep, it could mean actually instead of the sheep. What happened in the Old Testament? Y'all remember all the sacrifices? What did they do? They killed sheep, right? And when Jesus came in John chapter 1 verse 29, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so all those Old Testament lambs, all those Old Testament sheep that died, they were sacrificed for our sins. And the sheep died for man. But now Jesus says, I am the Lamb of God. And I die for the sheep. I am the one who dies instead of the sheep. And I sacrifice myself. He loves us so much. So there's four ministries of the shepherd. First, the good shepherd gives up his life for the sheep. Notice, he gives up not just his life. This word in the English we miss so much when we read our Bibles. But when he says the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, that word is not the word where we get zoe or bios where we talk about our physical life but it's the word suke which means the soul 
And what did Jesus do on the cross? He was separated from the Father, right? And He paid for our sins. He took our hell when He was on that cross. When He said, My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me? Literally, He was taking hell for everyone who would ever believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And He died for our sins. That's what He did. And for those who believe in Him and trust in Him, that death is effectual. Not everybody trusts in Christ, but He died for everybody, right? But those that believe and trust in Him, one day they go to heaven because when Jesus was on that cross, He took your hell. He took my hell. He took everybody's hell that would, would, has ever lived, will ever will live, and has ever lived. And He did it all in that three hours. Like I said before, when it got dark for that three hours, you know, Jesus has always said He was the light of the world. I believe when it got dark, the light of the world went out for three hours because during that three hours, He was paying for our sins. He was taking our hell. Uh, infinite God in a finite period of time took a punishment that if we went to hell will take forever for us to pay our sins. So He gives His life instead of the sheep. He gave His entire being. He felt the pain of hell, the curse of sin, the hate of men. The second thing we want to see is in the Old Testament, the sheep died for the shepherd, but here the shepherd dies for the sheep. But then He says here in verse 12, but a hireling who is not the shepherd... One who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. See, you know, a lot of times people get hired to do jobs and guess what? They don't really do the job like they are to, right? Because why? They say, they don't pay me enough to do this, right? Well, this is good enough for... Anybody ever heard that old saying, this is good enough for government work? Or this is good enough and this is all I'm going to do because they don't pay me enough. I remember one time I worked with a, with a guy and we were getting to the hard part of the job and it was a very physical part of the job and it was very hard and he says, you make more money than I do, you do it. They don't pay me to do that. I said... We all make the same. you got the same job I got. It doesn't matter. I've been here longer than you had. That's why I make more money. But I said, you got to do the same job. Somebody that's paid to keep the sheep, they don't care about the sheep. They're not willing to die for the sheep because they're just being paid to keep the sheep. Those sheep don't belong to them. They don't love the sheep. And you know what he's talking about right here? He's talking about the religious Pharisees. Because see, the Pharisees are in it for the money. They don't care about the sheep. And they care about the money and the things that their position brings them. You ever, you ever seen somebody wanted to be top dog not because they thought they could do the best job but because they wanted everybody to look up to them and, and uh, kowtow to them and say yes sir, no sir and get to tell everybody what to do? That's what he's talking about here. The religious Pharisees. 
And let me tell you three things about the, the religious Pharisees. Number one, they are in it for dishonest gain. Titus 1.10 says, there, For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teach things, teaching things which they ought not to for the sake of dishonest gain. Secondly, they are doing it because they want to be lords over people. Shepherd the flock which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. God wants us to do our work and help people and do things for people because we love people, right? Lastly, the Pharisees were covetous. They, it says in 2 Peter 2 3, by covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. The Pharisees were deceptive, they were deceivers, they were in it for the, dis, the dishonest gain, they were in it for their position, the power, and they. We're in it for what they could get out of it. And you know, that's what a lot of people are in it for today. What they can get out of it. You know, some people unfortunately are in the ministry for what they can get out of it. It's just a fact of life. Wherever you go, some people are in it just for the money. And that's all they care about. Secondly, the good shepherd loves the sheep. And he knows his sheep and he's known by his sheep. Look what he says in verse 14. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. Notice that's the third time he says he's the good shepherd, right? He says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. So he says it again. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. I know who my sheep are. I know who really belong to me, who are really saved. I know who are saved, and I am known by my own. That that no word implies love. You remember all the way back in the beginning of the Bible when it says that, that Adam knew Eve, and then she had a child. It wasn't just talking about a sexual relationship. It was talking about a deep intimate love that when you know somebody you can do what they like right I mean if you love you love somebody in your family and and you know y'all love each other and you you look to try to please somebody right you try to find out what they like and what they dislike and that's what he's talking about here that that God loves us and he takes care of us and he does things for us because He loves us and we're special. And we love Him and we're supposed to try to please Him too and show Him how much we love Him. That's what's implied. There's a deep, intimate fellowship. See, people don't understand Christianity. People talk about religion all the time. And they say, well, what religion are you? But see, Christianity, yeah, it's a religion, but what it's really about is a relationship, right? Because 
I have a relationship with a with a God who loves me, who cares for me. He knows my every thought. He knows my every intention. He knows every little detail about my life. And when I'm having trouble, He's there for me. I can call on Him anytime I want to. And, and He's never too busy to say, Yes, Marty, what you need? He loves me. He cares for me. He died for me. He said He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He says, when you, be, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the fire, I'll be with you. It won't burn you, nor will it scorch you. I will be with you. I love you. I care for you. And then he says in verse 15, As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So the next thing he says is he lays down his life for his sheep. The good shepherd loves the sheep. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And he says, As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. That not only means that He knows us and we know Him, but He has a deep, intimate relationship with the Father in heaven, right? Like I said, I don't know how you explain this. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's called a trinity. And they are a three-part being, but they're one. Have you ever said about yourself, me, myself, and I? I mean, somehow or another, they're body, soul, and spirit, but they're one. And I don't know how that works, but God the Father is, they're three in one. Three persons in one. I, I can't explain that. But if you look around the world and you see everything around this world is made up of threes. Height, width, and depth. Body, soul, spirit. Length, um, time, space, and matter. All these things. Solids, liquids, gas. you got the star, the moon, the sun. You've got everything that, that is made in three parts. If you really look at it that's because it's a representation of who God is and God knows us and God the Son loves the Father He knows Him and the Son knows the, the Father and the Father knows the Son and then He says I also lay down my life for the sheep He, he says I give my life for the sheep now He says I lay down my life for the sheep and then lastly, we want to finish up with verse 16 this morning. He says, he unites the sheep. He says in verse 16, And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice, and they will be one flock and one shepherd. Now, some people get really confused with this verse. But what he says is, I have and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Now, remember the fold originally talked about the people of Israel, right? Jesus originally said he came for the people of Israel. But what did he, re what did he really come to do? He came to unite all peoples. See, some people don't understand. Remember back in Genesis at the Tower of Babel when there was... God confused all the languages and He separated all the people. Y'all remember that? It was because of sin, right? Now what happened on the day of Pentecost? 
on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down on people. When He came down on people, they spoke like, I think it's like 16 different languages. What, what people call tongues today. But when they spoke in tongues, it wouldn't be that, 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 that. That's all, folks. Like some people say. But it was really languages. And if you go over there and read that, it says it was Scythian and Bithynian and Mede and Persian. And, you know, in Acts chapter 2, when that happened, when the Holy Spirit came, and when you read that, like I said, I think there's like 16 different languages. But what it says is that you know what happened over there? At that point, people, it says, let me see. He says, and when this sound occurred, a multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. And then they were amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born Parthenian and Medes and Elamites those dwelling in Mesopotamia Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia Phygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya joining Cyrene visitors from Rome both Jews and proselytes Cretans and Arabs we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God so they were all amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what could this mean? Just as God at the Tower of Babel confused the languages, you know what He did? Here in the book of Acts, He brought everybody back together. And it's a picture of one day, He's going to bring us all back together. He's going to unite all of us back together. And He wants to make all of us one. So, He says, I have other sheep. And... These I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and they will be one flock, and they will have one flock and one shepherd. Because when you go over to chapter 2 of Ephesians, in verse 14, he says, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of of separation, having abolished in his flesh the hatred that is the law of commandments, contain in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, that he might reconcile them both to God and one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the hatred. And what he's talking about is he brought the Jews together, the Gentiles together. Did you know in the Old Testament everybody that wasn't a Jew was called a Gentile? God's people were called Jews. Everybody else was called a Gentile. And you know what? Jesus came that we might be one. That He might bring us back together. And I don't know about you, but there's a fellowship, there's a closeness, there's a friendship when you can be somewhere in another state, another country, another wherever and down the hallway and you meet somebody and they're a Christian and there's a fellowship, there's a friendship, there's a a camaraderie, your spirit speaks to their spirit. And you you say, there's something about that person, I just don't know what it is. And then you know what you find out probably later on? That they're a Christian. Because 
God's Spirit in me speaks to your spirit. Your spirit speaks to my spirit. And God has made us one in Jesus Christ. Isn't that neat? But you know what? That's the only way there can be true peace in the world is through Jesus Christ. Because without Christ, we're all separated. We've been teaching on uh, Wednesday nights about partiality. One of the comments we made was, uh, I made, this was a guy, Lewis Smeads. He said that we put labels on people like we put labels on our clothing. And then we let the labels determine what they're worth. And we've labeled people because of race and height and width and age and you know body type and the whole nine yards. But the Bible says in Christ we're all one. Doesn't matter what we look like. Doesn't matter if we talk funny like I do and got this crazy southern voice. Whatever it is, we're all one in Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus came to die that we might go to heaven. But then we all might be one in Him. And so I want to stop there this morning and hope and pray every single one of y'all know that you know that you know if you died today you'd go to heaven because you trusted Christ. And you are part of the family of God. And you do have that camaraderie, that fellowship with Jesus Christ because He is the one that loves us and cares for us and died for us. Why don't we sing, uh, uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing number 43, Love Lifted Me. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for who you are. And we thank you that in spite of our differences of how we look and everything else, Lord, we are all one. We came from one blood, Adam. You have united us again through Jesus Christ after sin separated man. So Lord, we thank You for who You are and we thank You that uh, we can draw near to You and You love us and You laid Your life down for us that we might have life and life abundantly. We thank You for that. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry 
to the Lexington, Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.